Better Off Bald, A Life in 147 Days. A serialized non-fiction podcast that chronicles the story of 15-year-old Adrian Wilson's 147-day battle with primary liver cancer. As she lay dying, Adrian taught others, including her older sister Andrea, who raised her, how to live. Welcome back to Better Off Ball, the life in 147 days. I am your host and storyteller, Andrea Wilson-Woods. Whether you're watching the video or listening to the podcast, I really appreciate you tuning in. Let's get started. Days 94 through 98, Friday through Tuesday, August 17th through the 21st, 2001. Four smiley faces, i.e. bowel movements. Top 10 reasons to live. Number one, Eli. Number two, Jane's addiction. Number three, the beach. Number four, sleep. Number five, learning and expanding. Number six, meeting new people. Number seven, the internet. Number eight, public buses. Number nine, cheese. Number 10, helping others. Adrian's journal entry dated February 5th, 2001. When I'm not reading books about cancer, I am on the internet searching for something or someone quelling the desperation. I think about what Adrian said, I'll just be one of the less than 5% who survive. One of my books quotes that statistic, but I haven't found a survivor yet. I need to find one, just one person who has beaten stage four liver cancer. Maybe not having another CAT scan after the third round of chemo caused my anxiety to heighten, but then again, I don't think I could have heard no change again without punching someone out. I emailed Dr. Bernie Siegel after I finished reading his book, Love, Medicine, and Miracles. When he replied the same day, I felt like a movie star. His words inspired me. People are not statistics, so have her, Adrian, Go for it. Other treatments. Seek the help you need. Alternatives are available too, if doctors give her no hope. What I didn't tell Dr. Siegel or a few other people is I have been looking at alternative treatments. I contacted the Center for Holistic Life Extension through its website, extendlife.com. With such an optimistic name, I expect an upbeat, over-the-top sales pitch to my query about their services. Instead, I receive a sobering, honest reply from the founder, Dr. Louise Valaquez. Ms. Andrea W., thank you for your email. The situation of your sister is advanced. In stage four, we can't help you. Only we can give her a good quality of life. Hepatitis C and the tumors in her lungs and liver makes difficult the treatments. Thank you. A doctor in Mexico who runs a clinic that uses non-FDA approved drugs and unorthodox therapies tells me he can't help. He can only give good quality of life. The same words Dr. No said in that horrible meeting that feels like forever ago. Only when I swallow do I realize how dry my throat is. 
Adrian does not need to know about this email. I tell myself we couldn't have afforded the treatments anyway. Medi-Cal wouldn't have covered it. Hell, I've been arguing with them about transferring Adrian to UCLA for over six weeks. I reread the email. I find comfort in the doctor's imperfect grammar as if he is not a capable physician. I can't handle his truth, so I dismiss his credentials and close the email. But I don't delete it. But sissy, water is boring. Drink it. It has no taste. You'll get used to it. What about my blue power aid? You can drink that too, as long as three quarters of the 64 ounces of your daily intake of fluids is water. Adrian rolls her eyes, but sips a glass of water as she nibbles a piece of toast. Now I not only monitor every time Adrian throws up, every pill she ingests, every pain she feels, every stool she produces, but I also track the amount of fluids she drinks, something I should have done all along. I will not allow her to get dehydrated again. Our first day home after chemo, Adrian drinks 54 ounces of fluid that includes mostly water as well as blue power aid, a fruit shake, and half a can of Boost. I don't realize it until I write it down. When did Adrian stop drinking soda? I always limited her consumption to one can per day, so she never drank a lot of it unless we went out to dinner. But when did she stop? And why am I sad about it? I continue my trek through Mexico and email the International BioCare Hospital located in San Diego, California and Tijuana, Mexico. I receive an automatic reply. A doctor will contact me soon. Within 24 hours, Dr. Jose Enriquez sends me a polite, professional email with a subject line that reads, Buenos dias, doc. Lo molesto con otro email. Thanks, Juan. I know enough Spanish to recognize good morning, doc, with other email. I wonder what lo molesto means and suspect molesto must be the verb in the sentence, but don't care enough to find out. Although he doesn't push his services, Dr. Enriquez does list all the treatments the hospital provides, including diet, detoxification, immune regulation, and specific anti-cancer therapy with daily intravenous infusions of laetrile vitamin C, DMSO, antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, enzymes, live cell therapy, etc. While he states his team is having good results, even with terminal patients, he adds, at the end of the email, he has not had too many cases of HCC. I wonder if he inserted that line as a disclaimer. Don't get your hopes up. I know we cannot afford Dr. Enrique's three-week intensive program. I am also suspicious of the BioCare Hospital when an obvious competitor that offers similar treatments already told me their alternative therapies would not help Adrian. I finally received the reply I expected, and I need to tear it apart too so I won't feel defeated. This HCC is a rather unusual disease in USA, especially in a 15-year-old girl. Duh. There may be some associated factors such as hepatitis B or C, cirrhosis, etc. Does he honestly believe I don't know this information? If I rip apart the character of every physician or the content of each email, then I can claim a victory. We are not moving forward. 
but we are not stepping backward either. No cha-cha here. Remaining stagnant, no change, status quo is acceptable. When did I lower my standards? Reach out and touch faith. At the Staples Center, the crowd screams as Depeche Mode launches into one of their biggest hits, Personal Jesus. Anya obtained floor seats for Adrian, hoping she would want to go to the concert. Even though her counts tend to peak immediately after chemo, making it safe for her to go out in public, Adrian decided not to go tonight. Instead, she asked Alex, not a huge Depeche Mode fan, to take her place. When Alex sees how many stairs without handrails we have to walk down to get to our seats, he comments, I would have had to carry her down. I nod. He's right. So there we are, the four of us, Anya, Alex, Eli, and I, standing in front of our floor seats. Unable to see anything in front of me due to my short stature, I look up. I like the song, but I've never paid attention to the lyrics before. Someone to hear your prayers. Even as I move my upper body in time with the music, I find the whole situation ironic. Here I am staring at the ceiling of an arena, dancing to a song about finding my own personal Jesus, and I stopped praying because no one was listening. Someone who cares. I catch Anya's eye and smile. Part of me is having a good time, and she needs to know that, since this concert is also a belated birthday present for me. I focus on the beat and try to ignore the guilt I feel for having fun while Adrian stays home with John. Yesterday, her heart rate escalated to 138 beats per minute. Her temperature rose to 99.7 degrees, and her esophagus burned. When I left tonight, those symptoms had disappeared, but the pain and nausea continued, despite Dilaudid and Marinol around the clock. John and Adrian pushed me out the door, insisting I go to the concert and have fun. I miss them. Since his first email was so positive and he got back to me right away, I contact Dr. Bernie Siegel again, asking if he knows of anyone who has survived liver cancer. He replies he knows of a few people, but... The diagnosis is less important than the attitude of the patient from the standpoint of exceeding expectations. I know how helpful it is to speak to other natives who have the same thing, but I am not seeing many people right now. One physician in our group for a year has had the same thing and has chosen alternative therapies based upon her needs and beliefs as well as what she has heard from oncologists. Other than natives striking me as an odd word choice, I can't find anything wrong with his email. I wish I could meet him, talk to him, soak up his energy, but he is not speaking in California anytime soon. I wonder if the physician with liver cancer chose other therapies because her oncologist said, hey, let's be honest, we both know chemo won't work. Or maybe it's what her doctor didn't say that made her choose a different route. Either way, she's been living with liver cancer for a year. Only I don't know what stage, which makes a huge difference. I don't live for baseball, even though it's one of my favorite sports, but I do like the three strikes, you're out rule. With one strike left, I once again look for answers south of the border and discover the Oasis of Hope Hospital in Tijuana, Mexico.
Their motto, first do no harm, reminds me of a line from one of Adrian's poems. If it harm none, including yourself, do what thou wilt. I call the hospital's toll-free number and a woman assures me a doctor will return my message. When a well-spoken clinical oncologist named Dr. Soto calls me back within hours, I am shocked. I grab a pen and a legal pad and prepare to take notes. Dr. Soto listens as I describe Adrian's condition and current treatments in detail. Then he says lots of research suggests cancer cells cannot survive in the presence of oxygen. He would saturate Adrian's blood with oxygen and give her laetrile, shark cartilage, vitamins including A and C among others, and enzymes to enhance her immune system. The oxygen theory and shark cartilage are new to me, but the other therapies sound similar to what Dr. Enriquez listed in his email. Dr. Soto doesn't sound like a charlatan. However, I do pay closer attention when he mentions the hospital also provides chemotherapy in some cases. Have you heard of Tegafer? Bristol-Myers, an American company, makes it. Uh, maybe. I write down the name of the drug that sounds familiar. Who talked about it before? Was it Anya's mother? I don't remember. Dr. Soto continues. Tegafer is a derivative of 5-FU. I interrupt. Like Zalota? Yes, but it's different. We would try Tegafer along with the other therapies. I know as soon as he says it, the drug isn't legal in the U.S. yet. And how, I mean, will the words stick in my mouth as if I'm eating a peanut butter sandwich. Given your sister's age and how advanced her disease is, I don't believe we can do much for her, but any clinical improvement is a good sign. Right. Three strikes. We're out. Um, well, thank you for your time and the information. I'm in such a hurry to get off the phone. I forget to ask what Adrian's age has to do with anything. Shouldn't youth be an advantage? I look up Tegafer and find UFT is the generic name of the drug. Under FDA approval, it reads, this is an investigational drug for cancer treatments. Like a bolt of lightning, the meaning of Dr. Soto's words strike me. An investigational drug is tested in clinical trials, and I suspect one has to be a legal adult, 18 years old, to participate in those procedures. Every time a door opens even a crack, it slams into my face, knocks me to the ground, and reminds me I picked the wrong one, like on the game show, Let's Make a Deal. When the winning contestant makes it to the final round, she chooses a door to claim her grand prize, a new car, a room filled with fancy furniture, or a booby prize like a lifetime supply of a generic product no one would want. When am I going to pick the right door? Someone to hear my prayers, someone who cares. Are we out of doors? Without an IV pumping water into her 24-7, Adrian's weight plummets back down to 120 pounds. Her liver feels tight, so she can only lie on her left side. If I touch her shins, she flinches from the pain. When she says, my bones ache, sissy, she reminds me of an old woman with osteoporosis. 
from behind, watching her walk is like seeing a doll come to life, learning how to use her limbs for the first time. Each step is careful, purposeful, and she often grasps at the wall for support. I offer to help, but she refuses. Like me, Adrian is too proud and too stubborn. As she eases her thin figure into the living room to watch television, I retreat to my office to do research. The breakthrough happens without warning. I am reading my daily dose of PubMed, searching for clinical trials involving liver cancer, when I discover a series of abstracts. Words leap off the computer screen. Hepatocellular carcinoma with bone metastases. Oral administration of UFT. 63-year-old male patient. Six months. Mass in the left chest wall eliminated. Rare case. Hepatocellular carcinoma with portal invasion and right adrenal gland metastases. 79-year-old female treated by low-dose UFT. CAT scan revealed marked contraction of the primary liver tumor and right adrenal metastases. AFP was reduced. This case rare. Rare? Liver cancer itself is not rare. There must be more success stories. I type hepatocellular carcinoma and UFT into the search box again, determined to find other results. When I read almost complete disappearance of metastatic pulmonary tumor and reduction of the main hepatic mass and hepatocellular carcinoma treated with UFT, 61 year old female patient. The words blurred together, hepatocellular carcinoma with reduction of primary tumor and disappearance of multiple lung metastases, 56-year-old male, administer UFT orally as an outpatient. After seven months, the primary hepatic lesions were decreased in size and the metastatic lesions of lung were completely eliminated with reduction of AFP level. My heart beats faster. Complete response of a massive hepatocellular carcinoma with lung metastases to UFT, 77-year-old male, Disappeared completely. Administration of UOT appears promising for the treatment of HCC and can be used safely even with patients in poor general condition. And then I find them. Advanced hepatocellular carcinoma with lung and bone metastases treated by orally administered UFT. 52-year-old male. Several months later, liver tumor and metastases had almost disappeared, maintained a good state of health for four years now. Survivors. Advanced hepatocellular carcinoma with lung and spine metastases treated with combination therapy of IFN alpha and UFT, 44-year-old male, complete resolution of all lung nodules. Patient was working full-time and showed no evidence of tumor relapse. Hepatocellular carcinoma with bone metastases responded to oral administration of UFT, of UFT, 61-year-old male. Seven months later, AFP was 3,997 from a high of 111,683, and reduction of tumor was shown on CAT scan and ultrasound. Right upper arm pain diminished. The patient is presently still alive. Until I see a drop of water fall on the keyboard, 
I don't even realize I am crying. I touch my face. It is soaked. As the printer turns out each page, each person who had stage four liver cancer and survived, I weep. Hope floods back into my body and I welcome it because I need it the way our mother needs her drugs, the way some people need a God. I feel reborn as the papers pile up in the printer feeder. My faith restored by U of T, a miracle drug doctors cannot yet explain. Yesterday, Dr. Soto mentioned U of T, and I cannot believe the timing is a coincidence. He must not know about these case studies in Japan. These people all had metastases like Adrian, some in multiple organs. The printer sputters as the cartridges stop moving, signifying my print job is complete. I pick up the half-inch pile and read every abstract to note the commonalities. Male or female, all of the survivors are Japanese. They are over 50 years old, and they were treated with a combination of U of T, either orally or intravenously. I grab my chemo drug book to look up U of T again. U of T is a combination of Phytophor and Uracil. The former metabolizes as 5-FU, a common chemotherapy drug, while the latter is an amino acid that enhances the effect of the 5-FU. Since Uracil is what makes UFT different from other derivatives of 5-FU. I imagine it as a wonder drug that a doctor must have stumbled upon by accident. I see him or her wearing a lab coat, peering down the lens of a microscope, observing cancer cells, and placing a drop of an amino acid into the mix to see what will happen. To his or her surprise, the doctor realizes uracil has strengthened Phytophor, and together they have stopped the cell from growing like Batman and Robin outwitting the Joker. The doctor will become famous for creating the next superhero in the war against cancer. My rational mind acknowledges UFT still presents a problem. It is not an approved drug and getting Adrian into a clinical trial may be impossible. Flying to Japan is out of the question. At least we could have driven to Mexico. However, the hope has rejuvenated me in a way I never expected. The abstracts are my Bible, and in UFT, I have found my own personal Jesus. Someone to hear my prayers, someone who cares. The news of Adrian's labs from yesterday dampens my spirits. I ask the nurse to repeat the last number. Zero, I ask. Zero, she confirms. No immune system. Nada. I call the property manager and tell her she cannot show the house for a few days. She tries to mask her frustration with concern, but she fails. I never tell her how many prospective buyers seem spooked by the sick girl in the house, as if Adrian is contagious. The owner can always throw us out before the house sells, but I can't worry about that right now. By law, she has to give us 30 days notice so we should have a home through September. After I hang up the phone, Adrian insists on walking on the treadmill. I argue with her. You have no immune system. I already drank more than 64 ounces of fluid today, she counters. I won't faint. You need a blood transfusion to give you strength. I need my muscles back to get stronger, she replies. 10 minutes, that's all. 
I give in because I don't want to waste time fighting with her. Time. I hear a clock ticking. I watch in amazement as Adrian walks. The frail doll from yesterday, now a determined young woman confident of each step. How can she exercise with no immune system? Where does that strength come from? As I return to the abstracts and cancer books, I realize being able to walk on the treadmill gives Adrian control the way my research gives me hope. She needs to find power wherever she can because we are living in a somewhat powerless situation. We never discuss it though, our attempts at commanding cancer. We bully it, suppress it, drown it, ignore it, and conquer it any way we can. Your own personal Jesus, reach out and touch faith. Thank you for watching and listening to this episode of Better Off Fall, The Life in 147 Days. Hope you're still with me on this journey. Please subscribe to my channel and stay tuned for the next episode. You just heard a chapter from Better Off Ball, A Life in 147 Days, a story told and written by Andrea Wilson Woods. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast, share it with your friends, and leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening.